Thank you for joining me today on the Who God Says podcast. I am your host and kingdom ambassador, Ty Chandra. Hi, hi, hi. Today we have a special guest joining us. Yay. Um, he is a pastor, police chaplain, a marriage coach, and the author of the book, Turn It Up. Yay. We have Pastor Kelly Dupay. Yay. Welcome. Hello there. <laughs> it's great to I'm be so with you. I'm so glad to have you. I'm excited. Okay. So today's episode is going to be titled The Power of Communication. And I know you have a lot of expertise in this background. <laughs> oh, so I want to dive right in. Um, you have a book called Turn It Up. What led you to write the Turn It Up book, and how did you get the title? Very good. Um, well, I remember when my son, years ago, probably close to 10 years ago now, uh, came to me and said, hey, uh, uh, we want to get married, him and his girlfriend, his you know, fiance, they uh, were engaged. And uh, the next morning, I just began to pray and uh, pray for my son, pray for this, uh, you know, upcoming wedding. And I just began to think, what can I give him? And I had the idea, which I think was God's idea, you know, to just write down everything I knew about being married. My wife and I at that time had been married maybe 25 years or so. And so felt like wow. I'd learned quite a bit. And um, okay, here we go. What, what do, um, what can I say? And so I just, I just every morning would get out my computer and just start writing stuff down and started thinking about, you know, came up with a rough outline. So the title, Turn It Up, um, it dawned on me. In fact, in some of my research for the book, I came across a, a um, study uh, that was quoted by uh, a real famous um, relationship kind of guru that's out there, a guy by the name of John Gottman. And in one of his books, he talks about the, the fact that they, they did a study of divorced couples and they asked them what went wrong. And the answer really surprised me because it wasn't things like, um, you know, infidelity. In fact, what it was, it was a simple drifting apart. And so mm. what I was thinking about is the fact that, OK, if they drift apart, what went wrong? And I was reminded of uh, the um, if you go to the hardware store, uh, just uh, and you ask for a light switch, you need to replace a light switch in your house. All right. They're going to ask you, what kind of light switch do you want? There's basically mm -hmm. two types. One is a toggle switch. That's the up and down, on and off, you know, flip it and it goes on, whatever. The other, though, is a dimmer switch. And it dawned mm -hmm. on me as I was thinking about this, that what happens in a lot of marriages when this drift starts happening, that basically things start turning down the connection, mm -hmm. the strength of yeah. it. The communication goes south. They start arguing more. They're not spending time with each other. They stop going out on dates. They're probably not being physically intimate, um, you know, all kinds of things. And what do we need to do if if life? And then I thought, well, you know what? Life kind of turns things down. Maybe it's our choices, yeah. our priorities. Um, you know, certainly if you focus more on the kids than on your marriage. Um, let's see your jobs. 
really can take a couple apart, you know, if they're both working in opposite schedules, that kind of thing. Um, and then sometimes it's even just our hobbies that that uh, tend to cause this this drift apart. So what do we need to do if life turns it down? We need to turn it up. Turn it up. <laughs> so it is all about a dimmer switch. Think of your relationship or marriage as a dimmer switch. And if you start drifting apart, what do you, what can you intentionally do to turn it back up, to have that strong connection and, uh, and a great relationship that you really want? So that's where the title came from. And, uh, I've had just, a lot of great feedback on it. People have really told me how helpful it's been. Um, had one guy say, well, you know, if I want um, finances, I'm going to go to read Dave Ramsey's book. And uh, he named off several different authors. And he said, but if I want to go, if I want to learn how to be married, I'm going to go to Pastor Kelly <laughs> and get and oh, read his book, awesome. Turn It Up. So uh, anyways, I was very encouraged by that. That's awesome. I love to hear great feedback like that because you never know who you you're impacting when you're just doing the things that God told you to do. You never know who you're impacting. And that is so awesome. I live for that. I just love it. Very good. Thank you. So you said you were married 25 years when you started writing the book. How long have you been married now? Well, my wife and I two weeks ago celebrated 36 years of marriage. It was, it was actually, now that I think about it, because my, my son was probably uh, 27 or 28 at the time. So we were, um, maybe it was closer to 30 years being married, not 25, if I want to get my math right. But anyways, <laughs> it's, uh, we just celebrated 36 uh, a couple oh. of weeks ago. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank oh you. God. That is so awesome. I can't wait to say we're at 30 years married. I can't wait for that. Oh, my God. Okay, so tell me a little bit about your backstory, like dealing with your relationships, whether in a marriage or dating. Like what are some of your struggles or what are some of the things that you had to learn that pertains to communication? Hmm. Okay, well, first off, <laughs> as believers, I want to encourage um, anybody that might be single, and I understand you're a single mom, Ty, so you and yes. any others in the audience, trust God and ask God to bring you his best in terms of a yes. spouse, a husband or a wife. Um, when I was single, uh, I was in one relationship after another. I was that kind of guy that felt like he was lonely and um, needed to be in a relationship. And so one after another, just dating everybody that would agree to go out with me. And of course, those relationships never last um, because I wasn't ready. God was working in my heart. So a friend of mine challenged me to take a year and to fast from all kinds of dating relationships. And when he first said that, I thought he was crazy. <laughs> like, really, I can't do that. But then I saw the wisdom in it because what God needed to do was get my heart right and get me ready to be the kind of husband that he wanted me to be. And so um, during that fast, I really began to just seek the Lord. And, um, you know, I, I felt one day in prayer, the Lord just asking me, do you want to get married? And I said, yes, Lord, I do. And then he said, well, do what kind of wife do you want me to give you? And I said, well, that's easy, Lord. I want you to give me the best. And so 
uh, by faith, I just began to thank the Lord in advance for his best. And I want to encourage you to do the same. Ask the Lord to bring you to the right person. Now, I don't believe, by the way, there's only one right person. Okay. So that, oh my goodness, I married the wrong person. I need to go get rid of this one and go find another one. No, that's not the way it works. But ask God to lead you by his Holy Spirit to the right person. Then um, you want to invest in your relationship. And I think one of the the um, big mistakes that caused the drifting apart that I was just talking about is wrong priorities. So we prioritize our kids, our hobbies, and certainly our jobs over our relationship. Um, and then, you know, another one, like you said, communication is um, is really crucial and key. But it's not just communication. I think what's missed because most people know how to talk, right? You know mm-hmm. how to talk. I know how to talk. Right. So we talk. What we what's missing is understanding. And the key to understanding is learning how to listen. Yeah. That's what we need to do. We need to we need to really start working on our ability to listen. So just uh, yeah, I mean, what got us to this point? Um, we did. My wife and I actually, interestingly enough, to go back to your question, um, when I wrote the book and gave my son uh, and his wife a, a rough draft of it, you know, soon after they were married. Um, then I just kind of, it was just sitting in my computer for the longest time. Didn't really know what to do with it. Didn't feel really uh, feel it was ready yet to go public. Um, but then, um, my wife and I really went through a rough patch and it came because we weren't listening to each other. We weren't trying to understand. We were just caught up in a really difficult situation and, um, we're going two different directions. You know, you talk about being on the same page. It felt like we were not even reading from the same book. We were oh, wow. so opposite uh, on this, on what we felt was best to do re- regarding this challenge we were facing. And as I look back on it now, in fact, I still remember praying and saying, God, help me to show my wife that this is the right path. Help me, Lord. Change her mind, change her heart, Lord. Show me how to persuade her. Oh, can you believe? Wow. Can Can you hear the arrogance in that? You know, <laughs> prayer, right? And and as I look back on it, one of the things that I realized is that I needed to stop praying. God changed my wife, and yeah. what turned it around for me? In fact, it was a meme that I saw on Facebook. You know, somebody put, you know, you post these little pictures that sometimes speak to you. I like to do that now as well, but um, I don't create them. I just steal them from other people and then I repost them. (laughs) But anyways, one of the things I saw was this thing that said, um, stop praying for God to change your spouse. Start praying for God to change you. And that was like the Holy Spirit said, yes, that's your problem. And so I did. I I said, God, exactly. The light bulb went on and I just started. Lord, show me how to be the best husband you want me to be. Change me. And he did. And the first thing he wanted me to start doing was focus on listening and understanding. And so I think, you know, when it talks about communication, like I said, uh, getting back to that point, um, you know, we, we know how to express ourselves. Sometimes we're afraid to be honest. But what we really don't want to do, what we, I'm sorry, we want to do it, but what we find hard to do 
is to listen. In fact, I was in a coaching conversation I had the other day, um, was talking to this couple about listening and understanding uh, each other. And the, and the wife spoke up and said, it's hard to listen when you don't feel you're being listened to. So I went, whoa, okay, well, we got some work to do here. Uh, so I'm, I'm kind of breaking that down and teaching both of them what are some things that we can do, that you can do to start listening more to each other. And it's little things. You can find this anywhere. This isn't unique to me. But it's things like you got to pay attention. You got to turn off your phone. You know, you got to focus in on what is the other person saying. And then I, I like to teach this little technique called active listening, which is um, basically you, you focus on what the other person's saying. And then when they're done, instead of thinking about how you're going to reply, which is the big trap that we all fall in, right? Instead of listening, what do we do? We think of, we're thinking about what am I going to say when she stops talking? Yes. So, exactly. Yeah. See, and so, um, Anyways, the the technique or the skill that I like to teach couples to do is instead of focusing on what you're going to say, focus on repeating back what you just heard. So my wife is telling me about something troubling. She's confronting me about some stupid thing that I did that she didn't like, you know, some mistake that I made. Instead of going defensive or explaining or excusing, okay, I'm going to reply with, well, here's what I hear you say, you know, especially if she's hurt, especially if there's some emotion involved, you know, and that's kind of that really I want. My goal is not to defend myself. My goal is to help my wife feel understood. And so that's empathizing, which is trying to feel what she's feeling. And then it's also validating. And validation is a little bit different than understanding. Validating is that. Um, you know, what you're saying makes sense. I can see why you feel the way you do or why you think that about this, why your perspective isn't crazy, <laughs> yeah. even though I may not agree. But we, we oftentimes that's the other thing I think in communication is that we, we tend to be judgmental. You know, somebody's yeah. sharing their, their thought or their perspective and we're all about correcting them. Right. So yes. anyways, Definitely. if you. Yeah, these kinds of techniques and skills that that I work with couples now, I've found I've seen some great results, and um, yeah, they're they're uh, couples are starting. The ones that I'm working with are starting to uh, really focus in on listening and understanding each other and making the other person feel understood. Um, oh, here's another quick quick tip. So one, it, the reason it is that couples don't like to do this understanding thing is that they say, yeah, but when is it going to be my turn? So there needs to be kind of this agreement that when my wife is expressing herself and I'm focusing on helping her feel understood, that then when she does feel understood, it's my turn. And now her job is to help me feel understood. So it is a mutual, um, you got to kind of agree to go there with each other. You got to agree to be that kind of supportive communication, um, you know, thing. But when you do, it pays huge dividends because mm -hmm. that's when you can problem solve. And it's a great way to reconnect and start turning it back up again to refer to my book. That is awesome. That's awesome.
It's crazy because you you mentioned um, <laughs> not listening just to respond, and I tell my children that all the time. Like I have teenagers, and every time I talk to them, I'm telling them something. It's like as soon as I take a pause, they're ready to say, "Oh no," because I because I and I'm like, "No, stop listening just to respond. Take in what I'm saying and understand what I'm saying." Like. Don't just try to hurry up and wait for your turn so you can say what you need to say and defend yourself. It's not always about defending yourself. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's just about understanding so you can know the proper way to continue or to move forward. Yeah, um, yeah, that's that's great. Yes, yes. And if you teach, um, you can teach this skill to your kids, your teenagers. Maybe yeah. if you have younger ones, it might be a little bit hard for them to grasp. <laughs> But but that skill of, you know what, let's try this. I'm going to tell you a story and you can tell them any story. okay Mm -hmm. maybe from your childhood. And instead of, um, you know, just replying with whatever comes in your mind, I want you to repeat it back to me. Mm. okay so let's play this game. And then you could you could teach him how to do that. And then when it is something serious and you are wanting to instruct them or guide them or correct them or whatever it is you need to do, you know, hey, let's focus on understanding here. Okay, tell me what I just said. What did you just hear me say? And you get them to do that. That's going to improve. Definitely. Um, I've had situations where I've used this at work. You know, yes. where um, instead of um, uh, judging people and by work, I work at a church. I'm an associate pastor and mm-hmm. I'm kind of the pastor that everybody calls, you know, when they're in crisis and needing prayer or a hospital yeah. visit or, you know, um, different things like this. You know, I do funerals a lot. And um, so I'm kind of that, that I, I do a lot of that kind of ministry. And mm-hmm. so. What I've found is that especially if somebody is complaining or angry about something, you know, like they maybe they're mad at the church for something we did. You know, Um, if I try to excuse or explain ourselves, man, they're just going to get angrier. But if I go into understanding mode, okay, I'm not trying to defend. I'm just wanting this person to feel that I understand their concern. Boy, it really makes a difference. So you can use this in a lot of different contexts. That's awesome. I want to go back to real quick. You said in one of your sessions, the wife said it's hard to listen when you feel like you're not being listened to. So um, I'm divorced. I know in my brief marriage, that was a problem because um, my ex-spouse always told me, I thought I was smarter than him. So Hmm. I always thought I was smarter than him. I thought I knew better than him. And, um, but it's, it's crazy that I would tell him something and he wouldn't receive it from me, but someone else outside of the marriage or outside of the house would tell him the exact same thing. And it's like, Oh, now the light bulb went off. But, um, (laughs) not only in marriage, but we also deal with that kind of thing at work. Um, Mm -hmm. and in our friendships and, and, in everyday relationships, like what would you say to someone? Like, how would we, what is something that we can put into practice when we don't feel like we're being listened to that we can step outside of ourselves and say, hold on, maybe they're not understanding what we're saying. And what, what do I need to do to make them understand what I'm saying without screaming and getting out? <laughs> <laughs> well, 
Well, um, two ways to approach this. One is you model it. Okay. So if you don't feel that you're being understood by the other person, that they're being defensive, that they're being judgmental, um, one way is to simply just say, I'm going to show this person what understanding looks like. And you make it your goal to when they're expressing to you that I'm going to try to to feed it back. And at the end of this conversation or as part of this conversation, I want this person to feel understood. Understanding when you feel understood by another human being, it is an amazing um just experience. Um, you know, some would call it, I feel loved or I feel cared for, you know? So, I mean, if it's a work relationship and you got to keep it professional, you know, then obviously you don't want it to have those kind of tones. But in the same way, when someone feels understood, they're going to feel like you really care about them. So you, you do take the first step or like they say, be the better person, you know, go the high road and you do it. Because once they start seeing how well it makes them feel, then the next thing you can do is you can ask them to return the favor, you know, and that would be the other kind of take that you could go with this. Um, I like to ask couples, what do you want? That's always the starting question. What do you want? What do you want to see happen in this relationship? You know, um, if it's a conflict with two people at work, I haven't really had this too much, but I can imagine myself doing this or a relationship between two friends. If they come to me and they're just at odds, I'd be like, well, what do you really want? Okay, Mm -hmm. do you want this relationship to end or do you want it to continue? Do you want it to get close? Do you want it to be blessed? You know, and sometimes if they're really going two different directions, I ask them this question. What do you think God wants? Mm-hmm. in your relationship, in your marriage. Oh yeah. Okay. Well, all right. Well, you know what? God wants us to work this out. Okay. Well then here's how you have to both commit to understanding each other. And I'm going to teach mm-hmm. you how it's really simple, but it takes some work and some practice. And so um, if a person that you're in a relationship with, isn't giving you back the reciprocal whatever, um, understanding, you know, that you're trying to understand them, but they don't want to understand you. You could actually ask for that. You can say, Hey, I, I want to have a close relationship with you. Okay. And I'm doing my best to try to understand you. Would you please try to understand me? And let's see where it goes from there. I mean, it's a little bit vulnerable. I know to ask that, Yeah. But- but that's <laughs> it, that's what relationships simple, need yet, sometimes. Yeah, it's, we don't think about that. It's simple, but it is vulnerable. Like I've never thought about. Let's just ask. Can you sit down? Can you just take the time to understand me? A lot of people haven't thought about that. We just want to be heard so bad. <laughs> yeah, and so heard. what we have is we have two people demanding to be heard, right? Yeah. And when we demand to be heard, then we really don't focus. It's here's what I need. Here's what I need. Here's what I want you to do. And until somebody says, okay, the way to get what I want is to first give you what you want. Mm. Yes. That I think is also helpful. The way to get what I want is to give you what you want. What do you want in this situation? Okay. Now, depending on what it is, you may not be able to give it, but at least you can give them 
understanding. Okay. Yeah. Understanding, by the way, doesn't mean agreement and mm-hmm. it doesn't mean approval, nor does it mean that you're going to do what they want you to do. Okay. It simply means you want them to know that you understand what they're asking for. Does that make sense? Yes. It makes a lot of sense. <laughs> yeah. And that, that I think then is helpful as well, because then if you're saying, okay, what, what do they really want? They want to be understood. All right. I can give them that by yeah. just focusing on their needs, on their concerns, on their struggles. And, um, uh, sometimes this understanding skill is beyond some people's capability. You know, mm-hmm. they, they, you know, the narcissist, it's not about, it's all about them. It's not about you. So yeah. if you're in a relationship with that kind of person, there might be some other strategies, but, but by and large, if you're, if you're in a relationship or a marriage with two more or less healthy people, and let's face it, we're all messed up just in different ways. <laughs> That's why we all need Jesus, <laughs> by the way. Uh, right. But, but at least if, if there's a, if there's a little bit of emotional health and, and emotional self-awareness, then there can be this place of, okay, I'll put aside my desires in order to focus on understanding yours. And so mo- uh, most people can do that, but you got to kind of, you got to set it up. And, you know, I always think, you know, like Jesus said, you know, the, that he came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. That's Mark ten forty five. So Jesus came not to be served. I think in our relationships and marriages, um, it's helpful to say, okay, I'm, I'm in this relationship to serve. What yeah. can I do? How can I understand, you know, and, and then if I'm doing something that um, my spouse doesn't like and they express that to me, well, then I can maybe make some changes. Maybe I can do it differently or do it in a way that's not going to be, you know, whatever, offensive or troublesome to them. Yeah. We have a question from the audience. How do you work through mirroring one another's trauma? I'm I'm not really clear what the term mirroring means, but let me give it a stab. Okay, um, so as a police chaplain, um, I have I have been in, involved with people who are in different stages of trauma. Sometimes the trauma is immediate. Like I remember having a conversation the day after this family, their son was out driving on his way to the gym and was in a fatal car accident, and he was killed by a man who was actually fleeing because he robbed a store over some, you know, um, alcohol. He robbed mm-hmm. this grocery store, and he was he was running away. The police weren't chasing him. It was the security guard from the store, which was probably the wrong choice, but nevertheless, I'm talking to this family the next morning, like less than 12 hours later, um, I, I've been in, I've been called up to talk to families who've, you know, had a child that's been murdered or a son or a daughter, um, you know, just different. So I've, I've had those kind of experiences. And so often when it's um, when we're dealing with trauma, what I've found to be helpful is to just let the person tell their story, not really to mirror it, you know, but to just let them process it. 
Uh, and, and grief works the same way when someone's grieving and working through the emotions of loss, which are anger and sadness, then, um, you know, it's helpful to just, um, listen to them and let them express it. One thing I do have to remind myself, however, is that their crisis, as much as I want to empathize with them and feel with them or try to feel what they're feeling so that I can understand, I do remind myself that their crisis is not my crisis. Mm -hmm. So I don't want to over-identify and, and take it home with me. That's just a little bit of a, you know, so, so sometimes when you're talking about mirroring, um, if kind of what I think the person's asking for is what if someone's telling you about your trauma and it triggers your own feelings of trauma, if that's what they're asking for, you know, just realize that the way to help that person deal with their trauma is to let them verbally process it by talking about it. Um, and then, but you don't need to take it in as your own trauma. And if it triggers something inside of you, because you can relate to a memory that's similar, then um, ask for equal time. Hey, can I share with you what happened when I was six years old? Or when I, you know, whatever, or when I was on this date and this guy, you know, whatever, tried to rape me, whatever the trauma might be. But um, listening, here's another key I hope your listeners uh, really realize. When, when anyone you care about is struggling emotionally, and it could be anything from a little trauma to a huge trauma or work challenge or whatever, the best way to help is to listen. We think, I think, as Christians, that God can only use us when we're talking, right? <laughs> hey, God used me today. I got to share my faith. Or God used me today. I got to give some advice to somebody. Well, if they want the advice, yeah, absolutely. But let me assure you that God uses us when we listen and when we're yeah. there and in our presence with them. In fact, that was another thing that it really opened up my eyes when I went through the training to become a chaplain, is that they talked a lot about having the ministry of presence. And that ministry of presence is just being with someone in the most unbelievable traumatic um, situation that you can imagine. And I've, I've done that. And it's hard. I don't want to make it sound like it's easy to do. Um, it's very draining emotionally. It's very taxing. And I have to then get help myself, depending on the situation, you know, later um, to process the trauma that I experienced by helping someone with their trauma. So that yeah. happens, too. But when your husband or wife getting back to the kind of marriage and communication, it's learning that the best way that I can help my wife is to listen to her as she processes her pain. And a lot of couples don't understand how to do that, especially I think guys really struggle with this because we go into fix it mode. OK, my wife has a problem here. Let me tell her what she could should do. In fact, that's the other thing I tell couples not to do. Don't put shoulds all over each other. Well, yeah. you should do this and you should do that. Um, and, but yet we, we want to help because we love the person, you know, that we're married to. We want to ease their pain. We want to help them deal with it. But the worst thing to do is give advice when they're not ready for it and not asking for it. Because notice this, when you start talking, who stops talking? It's the other person. 
And the best thing for them to do when they're in pain is talk. Yes. Let's take a quick break. Hi, everyone. Join the Kingdom Fanatics community. Get exclusive content, green room access with our guests, and more. Visit our website at whogodsays.com. Like and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel. We greatly appreciate your love and support. To find all information on joining our community, being a guest on the show, donating on our PayPal donation page, and more. Visit us at whogodsays.com. Now back to the show. Wow. I, um, I like that you said God can also use you with just your presence. I, um, I said this in a previous episode, but I was at a bar one night and there was a lady walking past the bar and she was, she looked really upset. And I was like, Hey, do you need a hug? And I gave her a hug and she just started bawling her eyes out. And she was like, she just got off of work or she got fired or something. She broke up with a boyfriend. It was like a mess of a day. And mm-hmm. I just stood there and just let her talk. And <laughs> the other people at the bar was like, do you know her? I'm like, no, no. But I just let her talk. And she was like, thank you so much. I was like, okay, no problem. You know, I just felt like she needed a hug. And I mean, I'm I'm that type of person. Um, I've said it before, like I go out, I go to different places and I can go by myself. I have no problem with going by myself, but I always end up talking to somebody. Someone always end up, they feel comfortable talking to me. So Mm -hmm. I never have a problem with that. Like I understand that that's something that is just going to come. It's been since I was a child and I am okay with it. Um, but I do want to ask, um, we, when we're talking about trauma, what if the person has experienced some type of trauma that they're suppressing and it's causing um it's causing a problem or situations in your relationship how mm. do you because with that you know they're not really talking about it so it's it's no way for you to listen but you can't force it out of them but then this trauma is actually causing a disruption in the relationship what do we do um Probably the, the, the best thing is uh, recognize that when you're too close to it, because see, we all filter everything by the, um, how is this going to impact me? Or the other way to remember that, I heard this from somebody, is that we listen to the WIIFM radio station in our head. WIIFM stands for what's in it for me. <laughs> Or to put it another way, how how is this going to impact me? And so it's really hard for us to let go of that filter. It can be done, by the way, but it takes some effort. And and um, but, you know, when when the past trauma is impacting your um, current relationship, um, really, the best thing to do is get get professional help. And um, uh, there is a, a difference between what I provide, which is. Um, marriage coaching, and then mm-hmm. there's marriage counseling or therapy. Mm-hmm. When there's a lot of trauma involved, I encourage that couple to go see a therapist. Uh, yeah. But probably what needs to happen is that the person that's been traumatized needs to then work through that trauma 
you know, in a loving, supportive way. But it's recognizing that, you know, if the wife is traumatized by something that happened, you know, and, and we're all traumatized by life, unfortunately, yeah. but there's different degrees. And when it then is the kind of thing that's impacting your present because of something that happened in the past, God wants to heal that. And oftentimes, if not most of the time, um, the way he heals that is when you process it with someone who's trained to help you with that. And that's not my training um, or um, that's not my lane, but yeah. I encourage people, you know, you may need to go get some help with that. Now, as you're going through that, if you want to talk about how to communicate or how to, you know, solve issues between the two of you, that's more what I deal with. But um, I would encourage somebody with that kind of, you know, background trauma that's impacting their relationship. Yeah, it's it's it invest in seeing a good, um, you know, therapist. Yeah. So in your marriage coaching, what do you see couples struggle with the most? Oh, good question. Well, I um, I've been uh, doing this coaching uh, in addition to the pastoral and the uh, police chaplain responsibilities. I've been holding appointments with couples now for the last couple of years, ever since my book came out. And um, I've logged probably somewhere over 300 hours now of coaching sessions with different couples and sometimes individuals. Um, and some of the couples, by the way, have been dating couples. Most of them are married, but some have been dating. Anyways, oh, wow. I've identified five common mistakes, and I've already talked about a couple of them here, but this is what I call, and there's probably more than five. In fact, you know, as I think about it, there absolutely are more than five, but here's some of the top five that I've encountered that okay, um, I'm taking couples notes. do. Okay. So the <laughs> first one, mistake number one is what I call wrong priorities. So that's where we let things like work, kids, and hobbies take precedence over our marriage or relationship, okay? So, um, you know, you're, you're spending all your time at work, okay? Um, police officers fall into this trap a lot, okay? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm partly because they're, you know, like I was talking with another chaplain yesterday from the Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department, and... Uh, he serves a sheriff's uh, uh, station here in our area, and I'm in, I'm in a local police department. Anyways, um, they have mandatory overtime. So these, mm. these deputies are being required to um, work overtime. Um, so, so um, and that happens even in our department. It happens a lot, you know, depending on staffing shortages or whatever. Um, but if you're working all the time and you're never spending any time with your wife or your husband, you know, that's a wrong priority. And if you have to, you have to. But then as things change, what happens is then it becomes a choice and it's not a demand. So anyways, mm -hmm. that's where it becomes a mistake. The other one we've uh, we've talked about a lot, but it's not listening. Uh, or it's listening to reply, not listening to understand. So that would be the second most common mistake. Um, so like we talked about, instead of focusing on understanding, they're focusing on listening to reply. What am I going to say when they stop? Okay. Yeah. Um, third mistake. See if, if any of your listeners can relate to this one. Exploding with anger. Yeah. 
So what happens? I can. <laughs> <laughs> I can too. I've made this mistake a lot. I so, can. So when, when, and, and we're always going to do things to, that hurt the person we love. We're just, we're messed up. We need Jesus. We're all in process. God's working yeah. on our hearts. But I'm going to do things inevitably that's, that's going to make my wife mad. She's going to do things that's going to make me mad. Okay. And so what do we do? We go into, we, we just, we start venting that anger. And if they respond with defensiveness, or mm. if they start, um, you know, as a defense mechanism, they start fighting back. Okay. What happens then is that this conversation now becomes explosively anger, angry. And when it does, nothing good is going to happen. In fact, the only thing that you're going to do is um, you're going to hurt each other and you're going to make the problem worse. So the key, the answer here, the solution, I should say, to this mistake is to um, learn how to calm down first. Uh, you know, the Bible says, don't let the sun go down on your anger. OK, but yeah. it also says in your anger, don't sin. It's the yeah. same verse. I misquoted it. In your anger, don't sin. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. So I always used to think, well, that means you got to resolve the problem before you go to bed. <laughs> I don't think that's what it means anymore. What I think it means, because it doesn't work, okay? When I have tried to resolve an issue and my wife is still angry or I'm still angry, uh, it just makes it worse when we try to force that conversation. Um, what you can do, though, is you step away, okay? You call a timeout. And now a timeout, here's the big fear, by the way, in a timeout, is that people think, well, then we're never going to talk about it. We're just going to try mm -hmm. to sweep it under the rug and keep going. No, a timeout is we're not going to talk about this now, but we're going to calm down and then we're going to come back and talk. Okay. Yeah. So it is a promise to return. And if it's not there, then yeah, there's another issue. Uh, but when what you do on a timeout, I always tell couples to do this. And once again, I learned this from the cops all my police uh, friends and the trainings that I've gone to have a drink of water. Hmm. Having a drink of water when you're angry works like magic. Ty, the next time you're angry at your teenager uh, and you think I'm going to be saying something or doing something I'm going to regret later. I, and I, you don't strike me as an angry person, but since you mentioned it and since we all do, just try this, okay? Um, walk away and just say, okay, I, I tell your son or daughter, I need to calm down. Give me 15 minutes. And you walk away, have a drink of water. It will immediately um, calm you down. And what it does is that it resets your brain, okay? So this is the little physiology lesson that I learned. The front part of your brain, okay, has is the place where you make all your decisions. That's the way God made you. The back part of your brain is the more primitive part, and what it's called is the is the amygdala. This is called the prefrontal cortex. And but here's what happens: this part is fight or flight. I'm either going to fight back or I'm going to run away. Right? Okay. So when you get angry, and I don't mean just feel angry, when you start exploding with anger and you know your anger builds and now yeah. you're just venting it, okay, what happens? The blood flow, believe it or not, shifts 
from this part of the brain where you think clearly and you're able to make a good, reasonable statement. And now you're in this back part and you're either attacking or you're running away. So Mm. when you have that drink of water, it just kind of shuts, slows this down and reconnects you with your part of your brain that says, okay, let's think about this. What do I need to say to make this better? Okay. Instead of grounding your son for the next 15 years or whatever punishment you feel like doing, right? <laughs> Let's it's think two girls. about. I have two teenage girls. Oh, you have two girls. Three. Okay. Yeah, that is true. That would be crazy. Yeah. <laughs> and so um, before you start grounding them for life, right? Just have a drink of water. Think about, okay, what do I need to address here? You know what, and then seek to understand their their side of it as well. I think that that's mm-hmm. always key. Uh, but then you can come back and say, and and okay, so may I go into parenting? I teach a parent. I have a parenting course, by the way, as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So here here's the the two mistakes that I think, and I'll get back to my five mis- marriage mistakes. But can I just okay. comment on this one? Okay, two mm-hmm. mistakes that I think um, parents make with their kids. When they dis- when they're disciplining them is too much talking and too much emotion. Ooh. If your daughter um, disobeys you, crosses a boundary, you said don't do this, and they do. Okay, um, you need to think about it. Need to pray about it. You know, ask yes. God for wisdom. Okay. And then without getting angry, you need to come back and give her the consequence of her choice. And I'm just going to pause there and let that sink in for a moment. (laughs) So anyways, and and I'm not trying to tell you what to do, by the way. I'm just giving you a suggestion. Please, please understand. Here's but that I think it and and then. We treat our spouse, our husband, our wives like a kid, you know, and I've, I've heard this, you know, I feel like my wife treats me like one of the kids. Um, and, you know, in fact, I had this one husband, he tells me, you know, my wife goes into mom mode with me. <laughs> and then he confessed, well, then I guess it's appropriate because later on, depending what I'm concerned about, I go into boss mode. And he starts giving orders. So both of those are not healthy because you are not your spouse's mom or dad. You're not their parent. Okay. And and that's where we start putting shoulds on them and all the other stuff. So anyways, um, exploding with anger is a huge mistake that is extremely damaging to a marriage. And, and that's the kind of damage that then needs to be forgiven. But forgiveness takes time and it, it's a process. Um, you know, but, but, you know, if you can learn how to manage your anger and express what you need to say in a way without getting angry, that's going to be a much, you're going to have a much healthier relationship. Okay. Back to our five mistakes. So those were three. Number four, not asking for what you need. Exactly. Yeah. So I'll hear this from couples. Well, you know, um, he he never takes me out to dinner. We we never go out on dates. He's not very nice to me. Okay. Well, what can you do about that? Well, you can drop hints, okay? Or and Matt may or may not work, 
right? <laughs> mm-hmm. Or you can just simply ask, hey, I would like it if we started going out to dinner once a week, once a month, whatever you guys can, you know, and it doesn't have to be fancy, but, you know, let's get a babysitter. Let's, you know, um, spend time, just the two of us. And, but what we do, we drop hints. We're very indirect about it, or then we just stuff it inside. And then we, we, um, wish they knew, and that can make you angry as well. So not asking for what you need or what you want is is another common mistake. And then number five, the other common mistake is not getting help when you need it. Mm-hmm. And let me tell you, uh, well, <laughs> I don't want to tell you anything. Let me rephrase that. <laughs> let me let me suggest, but but I believe that marriage or even just successful relationships, any kind of romantic relationship, okay? It's a skill that you need to learn how to do. I think one of the big reasons that a lot of marriages fail is because we go into it thinking that everything's going to be wonderful. And when it's not, instead of learning how to make it work, they just give up. Oh, well, it's not meant to be, you know, it's it's this person's, you know, and then they start blaming the other person and all this kind of stuff. But I think a lot of marriages can be saved simply if you learn how to be married. The best marriage book, by the way, is the Bible. Yes, I am seeing. Oh, as I've been on this journey of helping couples, I see it's like the Holy Spirit says, hey, that's a marriage tip right there. That's a marriage tip. I went through the Beatitudes in my own personal Bible study, and then I formed, I made a series of videos on them that are on YouTube called the Hidden Married Tips of Jesus. Mm. (laughs) And, uh, and there they, it's just things like, you know, like he says, blessed are those that they that mourn for they shall be comforted. Well, how do we comfort each other in our marriage when we're mourning? Okay. Blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. Okay, how do we walk in purity? That's a huge one in a marriage, you know, and it's not just purity of action, it's purity of thought and heart, you know, dealing with lustful thoughts. That's more of a guy problem than a girl problem. But, you know, um, women fall into the trap of pornography and the other things, the other, um, I mean, uh, temptations that are out there, you know, both uh, men and women. It's not just a guy thing. Anyways, you know, the Bible has. I think the way God wants us to live as married couples. Yes. My favorite Bible, marriage Bible verse, by the way, is Genesis 2.24. And by the way, I don't know if you knew this. Here's a little Bible trivia for you. It's in the Bible five times. So five different times this verse in one form or another is mentioned. It goes like this. For this reason, a man would leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two will become one flesh. That's it. That's, in the Bible That's God's plan. Times. That's what God wants to do in our lives. And it's in the Bible. Jesus said it. The apostle Paul taught it. It's in the Bible five times. Wow. Wow. Uh, years ago, I saw a couple. I'm from New Orleans, and I saw a couple sitting by um, the lake. And there were older people and 
I asked them how long have they been married. They was like, we've been married for over 44 years. I was like, that's awesome. And I was like, how did you stay married that long? And the husband said, um, don't walk away and learn how to fight fair. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> so, I mean, that was the last thing that was said. And it was like, okay, as I've grown and I've walked through different relationships and even my own marriage, um, the biggest thing was learn how to fight fair. Mm-hmm. And for some people, that's hard. Because when you're fighting, it's like, I got to hurt you. Are you going to hurt me? I got to make sure I hurt you worse. So you won't hurt me worse. Like it's that part, that tug of war. Ooh, learn how to fight fair. For me, I was just like, can we just not fight at all? But I know that's unrealistic. So when I say I explode in anger, it's like I let things piled up and then it explodes. I'm not just, um, you do something I don't like, I'm not going off the hinges. Um, I will address some things and say, hey, I don't like this or I don't like that. But then we're women and we don't want to seem like we're nagging. So learning how to fight fair is hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's absolutely hard. <laughs> well, but it can be done. And so I, I think, it, you know, and when he said, don't walk away, well, there is a time to walk away. You just don't stay away. You walk away and yeah, calm down and then like come in, back. You know, making it final, like giving up, you know. Exactly. Yeah. Don't give up. But fighting fair simply means I'm going to let you express what, you know, is is wrong. You know, what, how I offended you, how I hurt you. I'm going to focus on understanding that. And then I'm going to do what I need to do to correct that. And then, um, and apologize. You know, what can I do? How can, what can I say? How can I make it right? Um, then on the other hand, um, I would like to share, you know, my perspective on this. And I would like you to understand, like we were talking about earlier, it's, it's a two way street. And so understanding each other, reaching out to each other, um, is a, um, that's what I think he means by fighting fair. Yeah. And no low blow. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And see the reason when we're hurt, um, our sinful nature wants to hurt. We do. We want to get even, we want revenge, but yeah. really it's recognizing that for the good of the relationship, you know what this, um, I need to just focus on okay, you know, um, let me own my part. Uh, let me hear what I did that's wrong. Let me apologize. And then allow me to, um, yeah, make it right and move on from there. Yeah. That's hard. <laughs> but it makes a lot of sense. It does, especially when you, especially when you think about how you would want the other person to do that toward you. It makes a lot of sense. I mean, we have to stop thinking about what's in it for me and just kind of flip it and say, okay, if I want them to do this for me, then I need to do this for them. So yeah, I, putting yourself in that mindset makes it a little bit easier. But when you've grown up with seeing these things where people are like, ooh, he just said that. Ooh, she said that. They didn't need to say that. It's like, 
you get kind of scared and you're like, okay, we're arguing. Should I say it? Should I say it? Mm -hmm. And and that's where, um, you know, I think sometimes, you know, it's like you, you call a timeout before it reaches that place of, of explosive anger. And then you walk away and then, um, you calm down and you script, you can write out, here's what I need to say. Okay. Here's what I need to ask for. Here's what I need. And I, I give couples little scripts. And um, one of the scripts is, I feel or I felt angry when you, and then you say that. And if they say something that's inappropriate or hurtful, you know, call them on it. Hey, wait, time out. I'm sorry. That really offended me. And, and um, I, I'm not going to let you be, I'm not going to be your emotional punching bag. I'm not going to let you just, you know, call me names. You know, let's have a good discussion here. Let's calm down and let's come back. If we want to make this relationship work, it takes setting boundaries. It takes respect. It takes mutual uh, love. And love is all about, I don't want to hurt the other person. You know, and if you're in a relationship with a person that's hurtful, well, then you need to set some boundaries and not let them hurt you um, in, in any way. Um, either, uh, and certainly if they're hurting you physically, then yeah, the boundary needs to be some space. You need to separate yourself from that person until they're able to get that under control because it's never right or okay, you know, for them to physically abuse you. Uh, on the other hand, if they're verbally abusive, you can set a boundary with that as well. I want to have a good relationship with you, but when you get angry and start calling me names, I, I cannot do that. I I will not let you do that. And I need you to, um, maybe we need some help. Maybe you need some therapy to work on your anger issues. Um, but um, I'm not going to let you do that. I'm going to stop the conversation and walk away if you're going to call me names. And setting those kind of healthy boundaries can also be really um, uh, necessary. And it's it's healthy for a relationship. And I think that's part of fighting fair. You know, let's let's resolve the issue, not just sweep it under the rug or then um, go into that explosive anger area. And oftentimes that's where you need some help. Like I said, either from a coach like myself or from a therapist. So coaching, by the way, is a lot about teaching couples skills and helping them use the skills. Um, And so that's kind of what um, I see coaching as, whereas therapy is a lot about, okay, let's uncover the past hurts and deal with those. And then, um, you know, uh, and that has a place as well. It's just not what I do. Yeah. Yeah. How do you, how do you advise couples or like marriages or either people who's in the relationship looking for marriage? How would you advise them on creating this type of safe, safe space at home? where they can communicate authentically and, and intentionally to have those conversations where, look, you hurt me. What, what can you advise them to do to create those spaces? Um, well, first off is, is you need to get um, a new game plan. You need to come up with a new strategy and admit that perhaps what we're doing now isn't working. We're hurting each other. We're hurting our marriage. We're going in the wrong direction. We're getting defensive you know, and I think we need some help. And so if, depending on if you're, if some couples I've, I've heard of can do it themselves, but that's where getting a coach, um, you know, like myself is like, okay, let's figure out a way 
where we can create this. Tell me what's going on is usually the first question. Tell me what you want. Um, what does God want? Well, we need to stop hurting each other. We need to create that safe space where we can express ourselves. Okay, well, let's talk about and figure out a way to get there. And when I get the couples on board with that, then they're able to implement some skills that would create that. Um, and it really does take, by the way, a commitment on both sides. Um, yeah. So the other way you could you could get there if you didn't want professional help is at least read a book, you know, that's going to give you some guidance and show you, give you some new skills in that way. Um, so you could read a book or there's lots of, you know, video courses and things out there, you know, that you could go through that would give you that input. But this is probably one of those areas where you can't figure it out on your own. OK, mm -hmm. you're probably going to have to learn something different in order to have a yeah. different kind of um, dynamic and atmosphere in your home. But you can definitely get there. I've seen it happen. I've helped couples get there. Uh, it's happened in our own marriage, too. So. That's awesome. That's awesome. 36 years, right? Yep. Two kids and three grandkids. Oh, oh my God, you're a papa. Yeah, ah. I am. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, papa. Do they call you papa? No, um, it's either grandpa or then I have a habit, by the way, uh, as I talk to people to call people, especially guys, buddy. Hey, buddy, <laughs> how you doing? Stuff like that. I don't know how I got into this, but I call, I do it a lot. And, and so my granddaughter picked up on it. So with her, I'm buddy. Hey, buddy. <laughs> and so her, she calls me buddy all the time, which I just love. And then uh, well, mostly so it's cute. grandpa. <laughs> that is so cute. Oh, well, I'm from New Orleans and we're Creole. So we have grandpa, we have papa, we have grandpere. So we have a few of them. And we have parang. Oh. Yeah, we have you up. Excellent. <laughs> so um, let the audience know where they can find your book and your services. All right. Well, here is a copy of the book just to show you that it's real. See, <laughs> um, it's called Turn It Up, How to Have the Lifelong Marriage That You Really Want. Um, the first um, section of it deals with... Um, what I call asking the connection question, which is this monitoring tool uh, that I came up with to say, how, you know, where are we at? Um, then I give five commitments to make and five skills to learn and to use. And the difference between a commitment and a skill is that a commitment you do all the time. OK, mm -hmm. a skill, by the way, is just when you need it. Um, so I've got I'm offering it right now at 75 percent off retail price. So. Um, you go to turnitup.coach, all one word, slash 75. So turnitup.coach slash 75 will get you. Just type that in your browser, in your phone or your computer, whatever. It'll take you right to the sales page. $3.99 for the digital copy, um, $4.99 for the print copy. Um, oh, wow. Print, by the way, is U.S. orders only. So if you have any international listeners, sorry, can't, uh, you, you got to get the digital one, but the digital one works great. You can download it on your phone. You can put it on your um, iPad. You can read it on yeah. your computer. Um, there's all kinds of cool things that you can kind of do with the digital copy. And then, you know, it's a lot more convenient to carry around with you. 
So um, anyways, but yeah, three ninety nine dollars for that. And then um, if you would like some more information about me and about my services, especially in marriage coaching, as if uh, as a listener of this podcast, okay, you let me know you heard about me on Who God Says, I would like to give you a free one hour marriage coaching session. I call it a clarity call. And it is, um, uh, let's figure out where you're at and where you want to be. And what's, uh, I want to give you a, a three point roadmap on how to get there, a, a specific game plan. And would love to give that to every one of your listeners for free. So to book that, just go to turnitup.coach. And you'll find that's my webpage, and you'll be able to um, you'll say book free clarity call or schedule um, something like that, and you click that, and it takes you right to my calendar. So love to have you on there, and love to help you any way you, that I can. That is amazing. All right, recall here. Come on, y'all. <laughs> okay, I want to ask this question: Do, um, Is your coaching? I know you said you deal with a lot of people that are dating. So um, for people that are dating, what is something, I'm single, right? And mm -hmm. I'm just trying to make sure that I'm in the position where I am healed, open, and humble enough to receive my husband. So what is like the number one advice you can give to someone who's actively seeking to be in a marriage as far as communication goes? Like what would be that first step just to make sure you're going in the right direction and it doesn't turn left, you know. Um, very good. So um, really the, the, the thing is to grow spiritually and emotionally, mm -hmm. okay? So, um, and when I say grow emotionally, it's to just, you know, get in touch with your own needs and your own feelings. Growing spiritually is just, yeah, church, Bible, prayer, yeah. you know, serving, um, you know, really uh, grasp the destiny and plan that God has for your life and just really, you know, seek to grow closer to the Lord in your personal relationship with him. Um, then um, regarding emotional, yeah, get in touch with your own needs. But then I would say, especially regarding communication, um, you know, learn how to use these skills. So um, you can take my book and the five skills that I have in the second part and apply them to, like I said, work situations, um, uh, you know, parenting, um, friendships. You can apply them in a lot of different ways. And so when you learn how to understand each other and um, or how to understand someone, when you learn how to ask for what you need in a relationship and you start putting those into practice, that's going to set you up to be uh, more successful in that marriage. Um, the other thing is um, when I meet with couples, I'm sorry, when I meet with a, a dating couple, it's usually to help them communicate better, but I'm also challenging them to really seek God's will and pray, is this relationship God's best? Yeah. So that's the question you want to ask. If you're in a relationship, is this the best? Is this God's best, this person God's best for me? And if they are, then, yeah, continue to develop it. Take it slow. You know, let God bring you closer together, you know, and then, um, you know, ask the Lord if it's his will that you would, uh, you know, form that lifelong, um, make that lifelong commitment to each other. Um, marriage is for keeps. It's not a, you know, uh, and dating is sort of the try before you buy phase. 
you get a trial run of some things. Now, there are some things you don't get to try, as you know what I'm talking about, until you get married. Okay. And that, by the way, is also God's blessing. Okay. I think if there's another mistake that couples make, it's that they misunderstand um, the value of sex. It is God's gift, but it's made and designed within the context of a lifelong commitment. And when couples get sexually involved before they're married, it creates a lot of confusion, a lot of pain. When they break up, the breakup is worse if you've been sexually involved with that person. And then, believe it or not, when you get married, couples then allow that part to um, kind of, uh, they neglect it. And sex becomes something that they just, they're too busy, or maybe because they're hurt and they're angry at each other, you know, they just kind of, they, they don't, you know, they're not physically intimate. And, and so if that's the case, get some help so that you can have a healthy sex life. Um, it really is God's gift and it is a great thing to enjoy. But a lot, I think a lot of couples, you know, let it either lapse or they enjoy it in the wrong way. So, <laughs> but dating is that place of, you know what, I want to get to know this person. Get to know them when they're stressed out. See them when they're in pain. Yes. Get to understand them. Allow those times when you've offended each other to see how they'll take responsibility for that and apologize. You know, all of the things that they would, um, you know, that you would like them to do. So anyways, yep. That makes sense. And I'm here to help you if you need it. I call it the 50 shades of dating. Absolutely. There you go. Yep. You got to know, I, I I, mean, you're not going to know every single aspect because you're not going to really endure everything while you're dating. But for the most part, like, I want to see how you are with your family. I want to see how you are when you're angry. I want to see what makes you happy. I want to see if there's those little things that kind of aggravate you. And then do you let it pile up? Do you talk about it? Do you, those type of things. I call it the 50 shades of dating. Absolutely. And, you know, do they pay their bills on time? Are they, do yes. they manage their finances well? You know, yes. are they, are they constantly in debt? Do they overspend? You know, um, do they, are they, you know, struggling with any kind of addiction? Um, yes. All of those things you want to see. What is it. your prayer life like? I want to yeah. know. Yeah. Are they consistent in church? Are they, yes. are they, you know, serving someplace? Are they growing? You know, all of those things are critical as you evaluate. Now, the Bible tells us, by the way, not to judge. Right. But when you're dating, your job is to evaluate. <laughs> I like it. It really is. Judge, evaluate. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Are they, are they growing? Are they responsible financially? Are they handling all those things you just mentioned, Ty? Exactly. You need to evaluate them on that. And, you know, if there's a problem, you know, realize that they're probably not going to change once you get married. Yeah. What you see is what you get. And now they can grow, but it's going to be up to them, you know, that. um, Yeah, exactly. I remember talking with this couple that um, her um, when they were dating, actually, they came to me for premarital counseling and he was six months um, sober. 
And I looked at her and I just said, I would not marry this guy. If you were my daughter, I would tell you, don't marry this guy until he's got at least a year. Well, they didn't listen. <laughs> not that I'm always right, but I was right that time. And, yeah. you know, as soon as they got married, he started drinking again. Maybe not at, not right away, but at one, at some point he started drinking again. And, you know, their marriage ended up in divorce because she just... He, he was, he loved his alcohol more than he loved her. And yes. it was really sad, but that could have been prevented. And she even told me, she said, I wish I'd have listened to you that day and just waited and given it some more time to see if he really is committed to his sobriety. So yeah. don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. Sometimes you can kind of, like you say, people will grow, but, mm -hmm. um, Maybe in opinions, but sometimes if they feel like this is definitely um, a principle that they live by or something that they stand on, they're probably not going to grow from that. But they can grow no, from no, opinions. No, no, like exactly. If it's a person who do not absolutely do not want children, and you want children, you're you're probably not going to change their mind about that. That's probably not opinion. That's something that they stand on. So yeah. it's like you but do like have an to kind of. You yeah. know, like I said, an addiction, you can change. And, yeah. and, and that I, you know, that's where it's like, okay, well, he already started. Is he really committed to changing this, you know, for good? We'll give him some more time and make sure. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, things like an addiction, an anger problem, you can grow out of that, you know, if they want to, if there's that willingness, you can't force them yeah. and you can't persuade them. You can't put shoulds on them, you know, but you can, um, yeah, let them know that hey, I don't I I want to see you get a handle on this before we get married. Yeah. And if they're actually working towards that progress, then yeah, that's a good sign, but if it's if it's something that you're not seeing progress in or like the turtle in the shell where they're start yeah. to move and then they duck backwards, I can't deal with that. Nope. That's next. No, exactly. Right, which is a coping mechanism, you know. So they need to be right. Yeah. Yep. Okay. I want to ask, I ask this question to everyone. What do you believe is your purpose and how did you accept it? Oh gosh. I believe my purpose is to take as many people with me to heaven as I can. Oh, and I do that okay. by, by serving, by sharing God's love in practical ways um, marriage coaching is another way for me to share the love of Jesus, um, you know, and and it's it's helping, you know, if I can. I when I think about marriage coaching, I'm not just thinking about that couple. I'm thinking about their kids. Yeah. You know, and if I can help those kids um, by helping their parents stay together, you know, and work through their issues and learn how to make it work in their marriage. You know, that is showing the love of Jesus in a practical way. Um, you know, and then my conversations and, and uh, opportunities that I get to um, serve people that um, don't know the Lord. You know, it's all about, you know, what can I do to help them find Jesus? Yeah, I love that. Oh, my gosh. That was straight to the point. Help as many people <laughs> as possible go to heaven with me. Yeah, exactly. I love that. I love that. Anything else you want to say to the audience? 
Well, thank you so much for this opportunity to be on your show, Ty. Uh, it's a, it's great to see the love of Jesus in your heart and in your smile and uh, in your questions that you really care and love about people. And I just pray God's blessing on you and on this podcast and on the ministry that God has for you. And um, I guess final thought to everybody listening. Um, ask yourself. Let me let me just go back. I already mentioned this, but I just want to remind yourself when you think about your marriage, if you're married, ask, what does God want? And if it's not what you think God wants you to have, then do something about it because you can have what God wants you to have in your marriage. Now, it's going to take some change. It's going to take some work. It's going to take some learning. It's going to take probably somebody helping you. But you know what? You can get there. Yeah. God wants you to have a great marriage if you're married and if you're dating and if it's his will, because sometimes it's not. If it's his will for you to get married, then, um, you know, what does God want? Well, he wants to give you a great spouse, a great husband or wife. You know, he wants you to then grow in that and have that lifelong marriage that you really want, that he really wants you to have. So ask yourself that question. What does God want? God, what do you want for me? in this situation. That's awesome. That is so awesome. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Thank you for your time and your talent and your gift. Thank you so much. Well, you are so welcome. It was a joy and an honor. And um, yeah, thank you. Bye. Thank you so much for hanging out with us today on the Who God Says podcast with your host and Kingdom Ambassador, Ty Chandra. Go to whogodsays.com to join the mailing list for episode premieres, upcoming guests, and more. Send in your questions to be a part of the show at whogodsays at gmail.com. And don't forget, join the Kingdom Fanatic community. Until next time, be blessed and also be a blessing.